<laughs> I think we have some more history that's really important too. Yeah. And if I could just go ahead and add it in, because oh, yeah. you know, being being a, a seasoned person, I might forget. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, my name is Shoshana, and I'm a librarian at the Ypsilanti District Library. Welcome to the library's podcast, Ipsy Stories. Ipsy Stories is a podcast about the history of Ypsilanti told in story form by historians, academics, community members, and local experts. This podcast seeks to unearth stories and perspectives that may be new to you and are often unheard. Our hope is that by listening to these episodes, you'll gain better understanding of our collective past, present, and future. views expressed by each guest are their own and do not represent the views of the library. In today's episode, we'll be in conversation with members of Ypsilanti's Palmleaf Club. The Palmleaf Club was formed on October 30th, 1904, as the trustee helpers of Brown Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church and changed its name to the Palmleaf Club in the 1930s when it officially separated from the church and became its own civic and social African-American women's organization, the only organization of its kind in Ypsilanti. It is a member organization of the Ypsilanti Association of Women's Clubs, Michigan State Association of Colored Women's Clubs, and the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. Legend has it that the name comes from the Palm Sunday Scholarship Tees. Dr. Diane Lockwood, who was on her previous episode in February 2021, was an awardee of the Palmleaf Club Scholarship. Valerie Eaglin is the parliamentarian of the Palmleaf Club. After mine, hers is the first voice you'll hear answering the first question. Paulette Dozer is the treasurer of the Palmleaf Club. Hers is the voice you'll hear answering the second question. Linda Horn is the secretary of the Palmleaf Club. Hers is the second voice you'll hear answering the third question. Linda Francois is the vice president of the Palmleaf Club. Hers is the voice you'll hear answering the seventh question. We recorded this interview on February 6th, 2021, when it was considerably colder out than it is now in March. Let's have a listen. For anyone who hasn't heard of this institution, what is the Palmleaf Club? The Palmleaf Club of Ypsilanti is an African-American women's organization. It was originally called the Trustee Helpers of Brown Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church and was organized under the ministry of Reverend Lewis Pettiford. We then got our independence from the church somewhere in the 1930s, and we were just then a women's civic organization. So we did continue, however, to work in the community in a variety of ways. 
We were instrumental in establishing the Carver Community Center in 1942, which is now the Parkridge Community Center. We sponsored a daycare nursery and volunteered at the local hospital because I think there was just a buyer at that time. And we also were instrumental in getting the streets paved on the south side of town. Tom Leaf also led the Ypsilanti in the establishment of the Ypsilanti Association of Women's Clubs and the clubhouse that they purchased that was originally located on First Avenue in Ypsilanti and again on the south side. We belong also to the National Association. We participate in an African-American history projects. In fact, we did one with the Ypsilanti District Library not too long ago on the Michigan Avenue branch. We do food baskets and gift certificates, stand for children, make a difference day, a number of things that I, I think will probably be raised in more detail later on. We also established a Palm Leaf Scholarship Tea, and we have sponsored young women's clubs. We are currently supporting a, a young adult club in Kalamazoo, Michigan at Western Michigan University. We supported local organizations like the Eminence Club, Meals on Wheels, NAACP, and others who have contributed service to our young African-American youth. When was the Palm Leaf Club founded? What were conditions like in Ypsilanti at that time? Well, the Palm Leaf Club was founded on October 30th in 1904. Our independence was established in 1930s. Now, in 1904, there was the Bayer Hospital, there's a Daily News, there was 1,216 street lights, 10 churches, there were 15 shops and three parks. There was approximately 7,378 residents, of which 608 were Black. Also, in addition, there was 993 students that came to college, which was called the Michigan State Normal College, which is now Eastern Michigan University. And in the 1920s, there was about 2,250 African Americans, about 30% of the city's population. Then there was an underground railroad that had stopped here, and it was located on Heron Street. It was about three blocks down from the current city hall. Now, this information, um, just so you'll know, Shoshana, that just a brief history of uh, a summary from the Carl Barnes history and the South Adams Street information from the 1900. So basically that's what the conditions were during that time. And of course, the statistics of Blacks in the community. What inspired the founding of the Palm Leaf Club and what were the reasons for founding it? Well, originally we were called the Trustee Helpers of Brown Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church. And it was organized under the Reverend Lewis Pettiford. And they were instrumental in assisting the church to pay their mortgage and other obligations. So that's the inspiration that initiated the Palm Leaf Club to start. The founding is, of course, uh, the uh, Methodist Church is located in a different area, but it is still going on. They do have a new pastor now, so I'm not sure who that is. But we still have partnership with them because uh, we still utilize their church for different events that we put on. That's basically the founding of the Palm Leaf Club. The Palm Leaf Club or the trustees helpers back during that time was interested in helping young people in education. They also were interested in having that nursery school. 
a lot of things back during the time of the founding, African-Americans were treated pretty bad, wasn't allowed to do different things. They decided to come together to help their community. The original church does still exist on the corner of Adams and Buffalo. And I think they have leased it to another church, but uh, the original Brown Chapel still owns that building. During that time, and if you recall, in 1904 through 1920, there was a lot of lynching going on. You know, the whole idea of having the Underground Railroad here, people were still, well, had recently been ferried up here through Ypsilanti across to Detroit and across the river to Canada. So there was that whole thing going on. There was an African-American men's organization that met to promote the quality of life uh, for their families and uh, the whole thing about employment, their, you know, businesses. And that's why you see, well, you saw a lot of things crop up in the African-American community was because those things were not available to us in the broader society. You're going to talk not only about who the founders of Palm Leaf are, but this whole notion of clubs and the uh, trustee helpers at Brown Chapel, though they were a church organization, they were also a club. And you'll find those same members are the members who were our original founders and then transferred their membership as well to include more women outside of that particular church. I think there were two at that time. And the other church was Second Baptist Church, which was two blocks away. So the whole little settlement of the African-American community was centered around that Adams Street area. Who were the founders of the Palm Leaf Club? Can you tell me more about them? The founders of the Palm Leaf Club, the original founders and members were Mrs. Emma Anderson, she was the president, Mrs. Nellie Green, Mrs. Mary Jones, Mrs. Amanda Moore, Mrs. Temperance Woods and Mrs. Mary Ann Kersey. Now, Mary Ann Kersey is one of the original families of color in Ypsilanti and was instrumental in building the church. Shoshana, I'm sure you've heard about the Kersey, the house that's on First Ave, and they went and interviewed Mrs. Rolanda Hudson, who is part of the Kersey family. She is deceased now. However, she was a very, very big instrumental part of being one of the founders of the Palm Leaf Club. Then there was a Miss Rebecca Ward, uh, Miss Elizabeth Martin, and Mrs. Mary Ellen Delaney McCoy. Now, born under the Underground Railroad Station, she became a philanthropist and an advocate of women's rights. And she was a co-founder of the Michigan State Association of Colored Women's Clubs. However, she was the wife of the Black inventor, Elijah McCoy, of the Real McCoys. So that's a lot of history there that people are not aware of. You know, you think of Elijah McCoy, you know, if you don't know the history, you know, you think he was in another state somewhere, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, so uh, that's really good history for us. Uh, Mary McCoy was one of the first women who attended the national call that eventually resulted in the establishment of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. So Paulette mentioned the Michigan State Association, but it was founded like a couple of years after the national. There were clubs that were all over the country, and they were African-American clubs that were in local organizations, Mary McCoy being a local person in Ypsilanti, 
And like Paulette said, the wife of Elijah McCoy. And then women were known by their husbands. So often these women were not employed, but they were wives of. And it was because of that marital relationship and whatever monies the husband earned, the women started out into the community, eventually became employed themselves, started traveling, ended up speaking in England and various parts of the country and things that you would never have thought possible back then, but they did do. Harriet Tubman was a part of the National Association of Colored Women's Club and Sojourner Truth. And Sojourner moved to Michigan sometime thereafter, but there was still communication and things going on during that time, the early time. She spoke here as well. So they had a lot of people come in town of note in the African-American history who came through here and were speakers. The National Association of Colored Women's Club, matter of fact, Frederick Douglass is the one who encouraged Harriet Tubman to get involved with the organization. They did travel together here in Michigan to be keynote speakers at conventions and meetings and things of that nature. What are the Palm Leaf Club's functions today, and how have they changed over time? We participate in community African-American history projects. We do food baskets and gift certificates during the holiday season. We do an annual Stand for Children project. We do a Make a Difference Day. We do breast cancer projects. And we support a lot of other organizations. We also do African-American history projects. We have received the Eastern Michigan University's Martin Luther King Jr. Humanitarian Award. We were the first African-American organization to receive it. We participate with the NAACP Voter Registration Project. We participate with the Americans Walk for Diabetes. Also, the Americans Heart Association Walk. We support our Troops Project. And mostly recently, presentations to the Ypsilanti Rotary Club and the Ladies Literary Club. Palmleaf also lent support to the project Moving Forward by Looking Back, the history of African-American women in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. And of course, our annual scholarship fund. We do a stay-at-home tea during Palm Sunday, which has been going on for years and years and years. And we also give scholarships to our community schools like Ypsilanti, Willow Run, before they merged with Ypsilanti High School, also in the Lincoln High School. It hasn't changed. We still are community service organization. Of course, when they first started, they were interested in the youth and education and supporting African-American stores and shops and different things of that nature. I think it's important to know, because we haven't mentioned a lot of people who were members of the Palm Leaf Club Mm -hmm. who have recently gone on, you know, in the last 10 to 20 years. And I think that's really important. So I think it's important to know how we got there. Certainly wasn't by choice. Valerie's mother came and said, oh, it's time. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's, you know, they, their belief was to bring young adults 
Well, just to let you know, Valerie and I have been in the organization of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs since we were in the sixth grade. So we've been a part of the Palm Leaf Club from children, not as actually members, but potential members. And certainly when we got of age, that came to fruition. But I think it's important to know the legacy of the Palm Leaf Club. Like Ms. Marianne Kersey, I, I mentioned to you that Rolanda Hudson is part of her lineage. Betty Stevens is part of her lineage. Jean Palmer, who just recently died, and also Peggy Taylor Harrison. So, you know, when you talk about people in the club and how, you know, we function and, and all that, we still have a rich, rich history. Ethel Neely and Viola Carter, Mary Louise Foley, I'm sure you've heard of her name. She's been instrumental in the Etsy community for years in various different positions in the city. And uh, Marguerite Eaglin, our own Valerie Eaglin, that is her mom. You know, her mom was a great activist. I guess it's okay to say civil rights leader, Valerie. But she was very instrumental in the rights and justice for all, if you want to say also, we had Mary Taylor, and her daughter-in-law was Constance Taylor Mason. And then, of course, Gertrude Francois Warren, and her daughter-in-law, Linda Francois, is part of that legacy also. I don't know if we mention it, but Gertrude Francois is the one who started our scholarship in 1943. Mm-hmm. And we still carry on that legacy in 1943, I think they were given $50 to what is now Eastern Michigan University, but $50 was a lot of money during that time. And so we have continued to carry on that legacy because we think it's important because we are vested in our youth and trying to support them in any way we can. So I wanted to share that right now because I think that's really important. And of course, there were many others that was in the club as well. You left out Mrs. Bass. Oh, yeah, I did. And I had, had, I'm sorry, I had it here on my notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Bass, uh, who was very instrumental in the community as being the Black physician for us, his wife, Louise Bass, was part of the Palm Leaf Club. She was the one who was instrumental in the purchase of the Ypsilanti Association of Clubs, the house, which, as we said, was on First Street, but moved to 319 South Washington. Now, that house has been sold. We did sell it a few years ago, but that house stood there and it served a purpose for so many things, weddings, breakfasts, teas, you name it. So it was sort of like, Shoshana was sort of like having something that you'd have at the Marriott where you had it at the clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) That's a far stretch, isn't it? (laughs) But for the Black community, It was an opportunity to go somewhere, to be able to have your events and, you know, not deal with anything about uh, you can't have it here because. Also, A.P. Marshall, I'm sure you've heard of him. His wife, Ruthie Marshall, was also in the Palm Leaf Club. So as we're as we're talking, you know, members come up, you know, their involvement in the Palm Leaf Club and their involvement as being in the Palm Leaf Club in the community as well. And Evelyn Beatty, Eugene Beatty, who was an educator here in town, the first Black principal, his wife, Evelyn, was also a member of Palm Leaf. I saw you do like this, uh, Shoshana, so you're like, really? I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. It's exciting for us. And, you know, when we start talking about our history, it's so much that you want to get it all in and you don't want to leave anything out. Yet we know in this setting, we can get just a little bit and then give out more. We certainly are looking forward to have more of our history in your library as well, because we are the only Black women's club in the state of Michigan. Certainly, we are the, at least in Ypsilanti, we're the longest surviving mm -hmm. African-American women's organization. Now, there's some others, but they're not a part of the women's club movement. And, that, and I think that's what Paulette is referencing, that we have been a part of the women's club movement since 1904, actually, or when Mary McCoy made that journey. And she also co-founded the Michigan State Association that Paulette is referring to, too. Is the Palmleaf Club part of a network of clubs? And can you tell me about this network? Yes, we are a part. Starting in 1896, Josephine St. Pierre Ruffin issued a call for a national meeting of colored women to take place in Boston, Massachusetts. So following that initial meeting, the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs was organized in Washington, D.C. at the 19th Street District Baptist Church. Because of that call, people came, and I think the first president of the National Association was Mary Church Terrell. The association became and has remained a significant voice in national affairs and contributed to the uplifting of the African-American way of life since 1896. So the membership includes women and youth in 32 states that are dedicated to raising the standard of home, moral standards, and civic life of the African-American race. The Palm Leaf Club holds membership in the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs Incorporated and youth affiliates, the Central Region Association, as well as the Michigan State Association that we've referred to a couple of times already. And we also are part of the Ypsilanti Association of Women's Clubs. Now, several of our current members also hold offices in these other associations that we belong to. So the state and uh, regional and on national committees as well. The national office is located in Washington, D.C. at 1601 R Street. Our motto, lifting as we climb, you hear it a lot from a whole lot of other people. That was established in 1896 with the establishment of our organization, the National Association. We were also the oldest African-American women's organization in the country. We were the beginnings of the sororities, Alpha Kappa Alpha, Delta Sigma Theta. The NAACP emanated from a membership of the NACWC. They were part of the founding of our early membership of even some of our HBCUs. So mm -hmm. this organization really has long fingers across the country in the African-American community and in many ways has, because we are, are quietly working in our communities, do not get the recognition that we really deserve. So I just want to put that plug out there. <laughs> we're, we're, we are often referred to as the mother. Yes. The mother mm -hmm. of all. What is the Palm Leaf Club's role in Ypsilanti in 2021? And how can people get involved? The club still continues to do community projects. And of course, our scholarship is ongoing. We give food baskets and school supplies 
We work with an organization and our club will collect things and then give to another organization to present to the school students. But of course, with COVID, we're not able to do a lot of things and some things have kind of been put on hold, but the scholarship is forever. It's ongoing. And every year, two students will receive and this year also, we plan to do that. We fund that with a scholarship T. And this year, it'll be stay at home. And because of COVID, we can't come together. So even our club meetings are Zoom. Mentioning COVID, I mean, one of the things we also did was help a family who had been stricken with COVID. We were really happy to be able to do that. In our recent past, we prepared hot breakfast for the summer campers up at Park Ridge Community Center and participated and gave them books at the end of the camp. Each child received a book to take home to keep permanently. We always welcome anyone who wants to participate and donate. If people are not on our mailing list that we do send out and ask for donations, they can be in touch with us because all the monies that we raise go to the scholarship fund. This is a totally volunteer organization. Nobody gets paid. So 100% of donations go out the door. How can people find out more about this important historical institution? We certainly are able to share additional information. And you can be in touch with Linda Horn. She's our secretary. And her email is Linda with an H at the end, L-I-N-D-A-H dot Yashua, Y-A-H-S-H-U-A at gmail.com. Paulette is our treasurer. That's P. Dozier, D-O-Z-I-E-R. One four P Dozier fourteen at gmail.com. And myself, I'm a parliamentarian, Valerie. So my email is V E A G L I M at gmail.com. Linda, I am vice president. My email is L D FAM F A M forty four ninety two at gmail. What we do really to invite people is to have meet and greets. I would suggest people email any of us and certainly we could chat, let people know about our requirements and put them on a mailing list to be invited to a meet and greet that we will probably have as soon as we're able and everybody can stay healthy. A special thank you to Sam Killian for all his work on the Ipsy Stories webpage. You couldn't do it without you, Sam. A special thank you to local musician Annie Palmer for providing music for this podcast. You can check out more of her music at anniepalmermusic.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening to Ipsy Stories. If you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing and telling your friends and neighbors about this podcast. You can subscribe to Ipsy Stories wherever you find your podcasts. You can also explore previous episodes with additional resources at ipsylibrary.org slash ipsystories. If you have ideas or story suggestions, you can get in touch with me at shoshana at ipsylibrary.org. That's S-H-O-S-H-A-N-N-A 
at ypsilibrary.org. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the episode. In our next episode, we'll be talking to Ypsilanti District Library circulation clerk Jerome Drummond about the role local newspapers played in the politics of 19th century Ypsilanti. If you don't want to miss it or other future episodes, you can always subscribe to Ipsy Stories on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and neighbors about us too. Bye now.